0: Gaps in performance between groups as a political scientist are a characteristic of every society on Earth. You know, the Flemings and the Walloons in Belgium and the different groups in Nigeria, some of which have IQ scores 10 points above ours and some of which are still living a largely tribal existence in the wooded Northlands of the country and so on. I mean, there, there are massive differences in performance among people of the same race and of different races in every country I can imagine around the world. I mean, I'm thinking about the uh, what is it pre boomy the indigenous Malaysians and then the Chinese in Malaysia, you know, the Indians there occupy a role between those two groups. And all these groups are, I suppose, racist toward each other, but the government includes representation from all of them. Racism is almost by definition, not the reason for these performance gaps. So the idea that performance gaps are unusual is just wrong. It's a provincial American idea. I don't know any political scientist that takes it seriously. Some sociologists do. But leaving the academic squabbling aside, there are three explanations for why these gaps exist. One is what you could call critical theory, which is sort of the Kendi angelism I just mentioned, but the idea is that some kind of prejudice, uh, generally racial prejudice on the domestic front, I guess you could argue class prejudice more broadly, is responsible. So Ibram Kendi basically says that all gaps in performance between any groups anywhere are due to racism. Um, it's hard for me to take this explanation seriously for the reasons that I've just given if you, if you look overseas at how people perform and so on. Even in the USA, I mean, for example, Asians earn 30% more than whites do. And it's hard to say, well, that's because this is an institutionally Korean supremacist system. But the crit model, it it kind of makes sense if you apply it to whites and blacks. It's essentially that all gaps are due to racism, some form of hidden, sophisticated racism. The hereditarian model is a, a, a bit clearer. It's the oldest of these models. And it is essentially the argument that gaps in performance between groups are due to genetic differences. So the reason that Asians score higher on IQ tests than whites, who score more highly than blacks, who perform about equally with Hispanics, who outscore natives, is genetic differences, that there are GWAS-style predictors of intelligence, and that those vary among population groups. That's hereditarianism. Um, and like I said, this is kind of the simplest of these theories. I mean, the reason there are more black guys in the NBA is that black guys jump a little bit higher. The third theory of group performance has fallen out of fashion for some reason, but to me is by far the most persuasive. And it's called culturalism. And the idea is that there may be some 4% genetic differences between groups, but these tend to vary all over the board. For example, whites have slightly better vision than blacks. I, I see no reason that if you're looking at basketball, that wouldn't counter being able to jump one inch higher. You know, there, there's this broad range of abilities among people, and the differences seem to be generally tiny. I don't think the racial, the racism stuff is really worth taking seriously in a lot of situations. I I, I can't imagine that the reason East Indians outperform whites is that society displays some kind of subtle bias against whites and toward East Indians. But the culturalist perspective is simply that on average in each group, there are differing percentages of people with different interests and abilities and levels of training as the result of a large number of different things. I mean, what the founder culture was, So the founder culture for black Americans came from the medieval level warrior societies of Central Africa. It was the iron using tribal city states that were defeated by the Ashanti and the Dahomey and they were shipped over here, basically. So that's that's the baseline. Some literacy, not much Um, fighter cultures. Generally, the males were the people that came here. Then there's encounter culture, which is the group of people that you run into in your new space. And this is where we're going to get into black rednecks and white liberals seriously for a minute or two then there are kind of structural variables that don't have anything to do with racism. So I think something that really impacted the black community is that when we got to the north, we got to the north at almost exactly the same, the same time northern <laughs> cities moved to the left and stopped kind of kicking the white trash out of the Irish and the Italians, if you will. So there, there'd been brutal anti-crime policies for a long time in New York or Providence, like paddy wagon is a term that has a genesis. And that stopped when Black people got there. So, I mean, you saw Black migrants arrive from the South with a culture that was at least on par with the Irish migrants. At the same time, people stopped enforcing the law. So you saw Cloward, Piven, welfare, if you're familiar with that, checks started coming out early in the 1970s. You couldn't have a man in the house to receive what at the time was a pretty good supplement of money. And so you saw Black families collapse for this reason that had nothing to do with racism, nothing to do with genes. Uh, between 1945 and 1985 the black illegitimacy rate went from about 10% to about 70% so that's that's culturalism or that's systems theory like there're all these things that contributed to this founder culture encounter culture variables other than prejudice you'd have to throw in past bias i mean i frankly assume southern rednecks and blacks hated each other there's a great deal of black and back and forth violence with them getting the better of it So how does that, does that contribute to your attitude toward whites, which we certainly see. There's a large amount of black on white crime that's never discussed. So all of this makes the culture that you have at a given time. So I'm a culturalist. I mean, there might be 2% potential IQ differences caused by genes or racism or something. But I think when you look at like levels of black crime in Baltimore, like that's something as the mayor of Baltimore, I think I could reduce that by 90% if I were given full range to do so. The odds of that happening, given the methods involved and so on, are zero like 0.0%. But I think that those cultural or systemic variables are pretty key. And kind of back on track, I mean, black rednecks is just soul explaining culturalism. And he says this, a very important point, that black leaders like this kind of trendy idea that black culture came from Africa. And that specifically it came from the great powers of Africa that sometimes fought the British about evenly and that had the, the cool kente cloth and the... the the dope hats. I mean, like the the Ashanti and the Benin and so on. And he points out that there's no evidence for this at all. Like, those are actually the enemies of the people that became Black Americans who beat us and sent us over here. Like, there's very little, I mean, blunt but real, there's very little of the language of those groups in AAVE, African American Vernacular English. And doing a basic, obvious analysis that I've never seen anyone else do, he compares about 200 words in white trash dialect, like Scottish highland redneck dialect with African-American vernacular English. And he actually finds the overlap there is like 98.6% that these two groups lived next to one another and fought each other for 200 years and began to behave very similarly. And rednecks quote unquote today still have a fairly high rate of violence. So on, but unlike their white competitors, Southern blacks migrated to the North to seek out specific jobs of what were becoming majority black cities. So you took a culture that would have been, you know, 90% as problematic had Appalachian whites brought it up, but you took it in massive numbers to Detroit, Memphis, cities like that, and that became urban slum culture. Urban slum culture was black ex-white redneck culture transplanted to cities where the law was no longer followed. And it's a really innovative explanation. I don't know whether it's entirely true. But it's hard not to see a lot of that. I mean, if you're on a bus with a bunch of hood black dudes, I mean, the the language used, I'm finna get mines," is exactly what you would hear in regions of Appalachia where I travel, where I hunt or something like that. So it seems a lot more plausible that that is the inspirator for violent urban culture than that those characteristics somehow came here from long ago African populations.